Hey, uh, good to see everybody. We are in the midst of a series called Basic. And if it's your first time jumping into Basic with us, this is a series that we will revisit over the years if you're so fortunate to be with us uh, that long. And basically, we're talking about things that are foundational to our faith, foundational to the things that we believe, and they're basic but not so simple, all right? We talked about fearing God. Last week, we talked about following Jesus. And this week, going to get into a little bit of that. Maybe you notice the theme in the music this morning, talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, one week on the Holy Spirit, all right? You got to cut me a little bit of slack. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a big, giant topic that's difficult to hit on. But I want to hit on some things that I hope will push us forward as a church, push us forward as individuals, as families. And I want to start by talking about our mission as a church. And uh, if you're newer to Fieldstone, our mission is to transform family trees with the gospel. All right, we want to see not just lives, but entire family trees. Because we believe that if, if individuals can experience Christ, then it won't just change one life, but it'll transform an entire family tree coming out of that life. And that's a big thing for us. And, and one of the things about family trees that's interesting is, is the patterns that you see going down through the generations. All right, you see really good things getting passed down. Maybe it's uh, uh, sports team allegiances, vacation spots, exciting things about family that gets passed down, great hair, great eyes, whatever. They get passed down through the family tree. But you also see negative things get passed down. You see neutral things get passed down. Uh, One thing I've noticed is, is a lot of times people root for you to have kids who are very different from you, kids who don't really grasp everything that there is about you or your family tree. Like, for example, Kathy, my wife, very much an athlete, grew up playing sports all through college and everything. And we, we had our first child, Hallie. Everyone wanted us to have a cheerleader, all right? They're just like, you're, you're going to have a cheerleader. She's going to be a cheerleader. And, and talking about it like it's an awful thing, like cheerleading is this terrible thing. But when you're a sports family, maybe having a cheerleader daughter isn't exactly what you're looking for. So Kathy, you know, she would just punch these people in the face and move on. <laughs> Not that big of a deal. So, so people root for that. And, and the... But it happens. Athletes have scholars. Scholars have athletes. People who are always late have kids who are always on time. That was me. My dad was always late. But things happen, and the best ones are when the, the big-time athletes, even the bodybuilder types, have kids who just kind of aren't into it. All right? we, I, I have a couple friends who are married, and they're very much into fitness and weightlifting. They're, they're always carry, carrying around something in their jug of whatever. I don't know if it's legal or illegal. It's just a... <laughs> It's always a jug of something that they're sipping on throughout the day. But I, they don't have kids yet, but I always like to tease them and, and almost hope that they have kids that are just kind of weaklings, just, just not really into it, kind of like this, it, almost like if Arnold Schwarzenegger had the, had the little kid from Little Giants as his, as his son. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with turning out different from your parents. There, there's nothing wrong with having kids who aren't into what you're into. It's just a strange picture, right? If Arnold had that kid as his kid... And it, it's just sometimes odd when kids don't excel in the areas that their parents excel because the, all those things are available to them. Their parents are into it, the, the toys that, that come along with it, the, the, the tools that come along with it, those are all available to the kids. So it's always kind of goofy when the kid turns out differently. Now, there's an observation that not just me, but others have made about the church that's a little bit concerning. And, and, it, and today's talk is going to be a little bit different, a little bit touchy, depending on your background, because many of you grew up the way I did. Uh, if you grew up in churches that were a little bit more conservative. Um, Holy Spirit had to call ahead and make an appointment before he showed up to do anything. 
and, and, and it just kind of grew up that way. And so when you hear about the Holy Spirit, you're picturing the guys on TV and the healing services and all these, these crazy things that mess with your head. And some of you are coming from the opposite end of the spectrum. Some of you are coming from a tradition where it was really exciting and there was always something crazy happening. And some of you are in the middle where it, maybe it was a, a kind of a church that experienced both sides of that. Or maybe you're brand new to church in, at all and you've never really seen those types of things happen in real life. Maybe you've seen a movie. Maybe you've seen comedians joke about it. Maybe you've seen uh, some example of someone doing something. You just assume it's just a church thing, all right? And so everybody's coming from a different place. And so, uh, and, and I'm factoring in my background, factoring in the way I grew up into this as well. And so a lot of this sermon is a sermon to myself because as I think about God and as I think about who he is, what he's done, what he's capable of, what we so often see is a world in which the church becomes the weakling little kid not taking advantage of all the power that's available to us through our big, huge bodybuilder of a God, if you will. And it's an, and it's an interesting thing because when you read the New Testament, especially the Gospels and the book of Acts, you see major changes happening in the world where when Jesus comes on the scene, the Messiah who was predicted through the whole Old Testament supposed to change everything. All of a sudden, there's things available to humanity that weren't available before, not the least of which was God in the flesh, God in human form. And, and when Jesus moves off the scene and the Holy Spirit comes, it's supposed to change everything about what's available to people, particularly those who are following Christ. And, and, and when you look at the new gathering of Christians, the, the people that you see in the New Testament coming out of, of what Jesus started, there, there was supposed to be a supernatural element to what was going on there. And there are certainly signs of that throughout the early church, throughout history. But the question this morning I have for you is, can you look at the average gathering of believers, can you look at the average church and tell the difference between that and just another day at the Moose Lodge? Can you, can you look at that and see anything different? Do you see a supernatural element at work when the church gets together? And maybe more important for you as you're sitting there, can you see a supernatural element at work in your own life on a day-to-day -day basis? Now, this is, this is not necessarily just a question of what church tradition you come from or what you experience on a Sunday morning. Some are more expressive, some are less expressive. It's not just about how, how high your hands go while you're singing or how deep into your pockets they go while you're singing. Those things certainly come into play. They're part of the conversation with this. But here's the deal. Here's the thing I do know this is about. What I do know is that if God doesn't show up, nothing else matters. He doesn't show up, nothing matters. It doesn't matter in a church service. It doesn't matter in your family. It doesn't matter in your individual life. And I don't want us, I don't want you to miss out on something special because we settled for church as usual, because we settled for life as usual. And so what I want to do today, I want to look at what Jesus said about all this, because he's the one that initiated all this craziness that we see in the book of Acts. He's the one that promised it. So I want to see what he said, because he was dealing with people in that first century who were asking the same questions that I ask today, who were dealing with the same tensions that we deal with today and saying, what is available to us? What is this supposed to look like? All right. What's available to us? So I want to talk about Jesus, and we're going to go to John chapter 14, but, but first, what, what we're seeing here is Jesus is 
is coming towards the end of his, his ministry on earth, and he's starting to lay out for his disciples that something is coming. Something is going to change. He's been teaching. He's been healing. He's been leading them. He's been mentoring them. He's been showing them what it means to love, showing them what it means to lead, showing them what it means to minister to people. And he kind of pulls them aside, and he starts to hint that, that, that it's about to end. He says, guys, this is great. I love our interactions. We've been traveling all over. You've been growing so much. But he says, this season of ministry, my time here on earth, the time that we have here together, isn't going to be forever. It's going to end at some point. All right? And the disciples are a little bit nervous about this, but Jesus jumps in in John chapter 14, verse 1. And if you grew up in church, if you've been around, these are some famous verses. But Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And so Jesus starts to set this up, like there's something bigger than just what we're doing here. There's something, there's something more that's coming. There's something bigger. He's teaching, he's making predictions, and he says, he basically is telling them, and, and he says in other conversations, guys, this isn't just going to end. This is going to end with me dying. I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back to life, and then, and then after we hang out for a little bit longer, I'm going to leave for good, and that's going to be it. And his disciples are a little bit nervous about this, and he's saying, guys, this is okay. It's okay. I'm trying to paint a picture for you of what's going to happen after me. And he continues on down to verse 16 in, in chapter 14. John 14, 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, an advocate that will help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So he says, someone else is coming, an advocate is some, someone who's going to work on your behalf, someone who's going to speak on your behalf, someone who's going to act on your behalf. You don't understand it all yet. You're not going to get it right away. It's going to be a little bit weird. It's going to be tough to figure out, but you will. You will get it, all right? And before he leaves, so he, he goes through the whole thing where he's, he, he's died, he's come back again, he appears to hundreds of people, does a little bit more teaching, travels around a little bit, and before he leaves for good, he reminds them of this. Bible's falling apart there. In Acts chapter 1, he gives them one last challenge and reminder of what to expect after he ascends into the clouds. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. When I leave, when I'm gone, when all this starts to change, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So he starts alluding back to some of these previous conversations. Verse 5, for John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then jumping down to verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So he says, you guys have been immersed in water. You've seen me get baptized, lose the fact that they've been baptized. You've come forward, you've been baptized to associate yourself with me, to be associated with my teaching, to be a sign of the repentance that you've experienced. And soon, just like you were immersed in water, you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. 
And when that happens, you will receive power like you've never known before. You will receive power like you can't imagine. And in that power, you will take my gospel to the ends of the earth. So the disciples, I got to imagine, are sitting here listening to this thinking, this, Jesus, this sounds great. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but what could be better than you just being here? What could be better than you just hang? Because Jesus, if, if something goes wrong, we can come to you and you can fix it, just like you always seem to need to. And, and if we have a question or we're not sure what you meant when you said that one thing, we can come say, hey, Jesus, when you said this, did you really mean that? Okay, you did. Cool. Uh, yeah, he really meant that. And, and they, can, they can figure things out together. They can talk face-to-face. They can be friends and travel together. And so if I imagine he's thinking, they're, they're thinking, how could it be better than you just being here with us? How could that be better? It's, it's just like if, if we have a family member or a friend who's moving away, and if they said to us, I'm going to be gone forever, but it'll be better than I'm gone. Trust me. It'd be pretty hard to accept that. But he says, just just trust me. I want you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to wait. I don't want you to do anything. Just sit and wait for this gift to show up. And for the most part, they did. Peter is kind of a moron, so he initiated a really important vote that he may or may not have supposed to be doing that. I don't know, but he, he just gets antsy and has to do something. So, but for the most part, they sat and waited. And as they're waiting, they hear a sound like a rushing wind, and the room fills, and fire comes from heaven and starts floating over each of their heads. And as this happens, they burst out of this room, and the city, which was full of visitors at the time from all over the place, and they started preaching. And every single person, no matter where they were from, no matter what language they spoke, they understood exactly what was being taught. And an amazing thing started happening. It spreads out from there, and the the book of Acts is full of these things happening where, where people are drawn in, and it was that supernatural element that drew people to this new thing called the church. It was something special going on. And that's great. The book of Acts is exciting. There's cool stuff going on. And people have debated for centuries, and they will continue to debate for centuries, which things in Acts are supposed to happen now, which things only happened then. It's a long conversation. But my question is, how does this really matter for us? Okay, So the, the Holy Spirit shows up, tongues of fire. I've never seen that. Rushing wind through the room. I've never experienced that. So how does this actually play out for us? Well, I want to go to the the book of Romans. And Paul is writing this. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And Paul says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your immortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Ephesians chapter 1, kind of talking about similar stuff. Paul writing this letter as well. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And so what he wants us to understand, I think what Jesus needed his disciples to understand, what Paul is trying to communicate to us through this, is that as a follower of Jesus, the same power that raised him from the dead is in you right now. That's pretty wild. That same power. You think about 
40 or more miracles that are recorded in the Bible that Jesus performed. He healed people. This isn't just, oh, my nose was runny and now it's dried up. Thanks. Thanks, Benadryl. Okay, it's not, I'm not talking, I'm talking about people who couldn't walk can walk again. People who couldn't see can see again. People who couldn't hear could hear again. People who were dead are back to life. Thousands of people fed from, two, from five loaves and two fish. Can't get that wrong. That's a pastor thing. He walked on water. He paid their taxes from money out of a fish's mouth. Crazy things that Jesus did. And what he says, all that is available to you? That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you right now. I'm going to one-up you now. I'm going to one-up you because back in John chapter 14, where Jesus was laying this out for the disciples, he makes a pretty incredible statement. He takes this to the next level, all right? And this is a scary verse for a guy like me who grew up, and you're like, I don't know about this. John 14, 12, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Okay, same power available to us. And they will do even greater things than these. Guys, I don't understand all the practical ramifications of this. Okay? I'm not here this morning to tell you that this is something that should happen in church and this is something that should not happen in church. This is something that you should be seeing and experiencing. This is something that might be a little weird if you're seeing or experiencing. I I can't flesh that all out, partly because, like I said, this is something that I continue to explore and continue to grow in in my own life, trying to figure out, okay, all right, uh, conservative little Baptist boy, let's stretch you a little bit. Let's see what this is about. Let's see what God is capable of. Let's see what he wants to do in your life and the lives of others. This This is still very much an exploratory thing for me, but here's the thing. This supernatural power that we receive in relationship with Christ is available to us today. And it's a little scary. And, and like I said, I'm the skeptical guy. Okay? I'm the skeptical one. Skeptical one. But here's the, it, it, the guy on TV, the, the guy on the goofy Christian channel who looks like he's in it for the money and in it for the show. Is he in it for the money and in it for the show? Probably. But does that mean that this isn't true? No. And it's scary when it's polarizing if you're coming from either end, you haven't experienced it, you've, you've experienced too much, I don't know, but if all of that is available to us, if the things that Jesus accomplished is available to us, if more than that is available to us as individuals, as a church, then why would we settle for anything less than that? Why wouldn't we at least explore this power in our own lives? Not for show, not for financial gain, not, not so that we can be the cool church, the exciting church, or, or the cool kids in church who know how to do that stuff, but for God to move in our lives and for people to see it and be amazed at his power and to believe in their own right in this God who's so amazing. See, here at Fieldstone, if you've been here one week, if you've been here all seven or eight weeks, pretty much what you see is what you're going to get. All right, the, the music is what it is. Uh, the teaching is what it is, the, the experience here, we're, we're certainly not going to be a place that wows you with anything cutting edge or anything crazy, anything awesome. We're not going to blow you away with that. But what I have always prayed for, what I have hoped for, what I have begged God for is that something happens in here that goes beyond just another gathering of people. 
that, that something would happen that, that's special and supernatural, not just here, but in Milan, in Dundee, in southeast Michigan, and then that something would happen in your life, in your family, because of what God is doing, not because of us, not because of our strength, not because of anything cool that we do, not because of anything creative that we think of. All of those things are part of it, and we're going to have fun, and things will be great. But I want these things to happen because of our trust in God, in His Son Jesus, by the power of His Holy Spirit. I want those things to happen here. I want those things to happen for you. I want those things to happen in your family. I want you to experience things that are unexplainable because God did something that was just like, wow, that didn't happen when I was growing up. I've never seen that before. What's God doing here? And so, I, and like I said, I, I can't tell you exactly what I'm looking for. I, I guess I can't even tell you uh, all these practical things that could come along with this, the things that we see in the book of Acts are a little bit difficult sometimes. But I do know that that power is available to us. And so here's the first question I have for you today. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Because uh, I think a lot of times we, we do experience a lack of power in our lives, a lack of power in our families, a lack of power in our marriages, and, and, and sometimes it feels like something is missing. And so we need to at least explore the idea that if there's a lack of power in your life, there may be a lack of a true relationship with Jesus. And so I really want you to consider that question, do I really know him? Does his spirit truly dwell within me? Because if it does, then that power is available, the power to heal your marriage, the power to heal your kids, the power to heal relationships, the power to take your life to new and greater places and new and greater purpose. Not that money's going to fall from heaven, not that you're going to walk around and touch dogs who are laying in the street and they're going to jump up and be a fresh puppy again, but there should be power in our lives. There should be things that God is doing that go beyond just human strength. So do you really know Jesus? Do you have a relationship based on faith, faith in Jesus and his work on the cross? Because that's where it all has to start. That's where it all has to start. That's when freedom comes. That's when forgiveness comes. That's when purpose comes. That's when the power becomes available to us. You have to have that relationship. If we know him, if we have that relationship and we're confident in that, then the thing I want us to do is this. And, th and this is for some of you who, um, who are coming from maybe my background, or who are coming from a little bit of unfamiliarity with, with church and with scripture. I want us to do this. I want us to put our Holy Spirit training wheels on. I want us to put our Holy Spirit training wheels on. I want us to practice a little bit. I want, to, I want us to be that little kid on the bike with the training wheels where we're going, but we know, like, okay, we're still a little unsure about what this is about. I want you to join me in those training wheels. I, I want you to talk to God like he's your friend. I want you to talk to him like a brother. I want you to talk to him like a counselor. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for direction. Ask him what he wants to do in your life that goes beyond just the human. And what I want you to do is when, that, when you're praying that, I want you to respond to the leading that he gives you. Okay, I want you to respond to, to whatever leading he gives you. But remember, it's practice, right? Remember, it's training wheels. Because if we go too far with this, we can hurt people. All right? I, I have a friend named Adam who probably three, four years ago got diagnosed with cancer. And as he was walking this journey, it was just a real tough time in his life because um, he was getting married in August and he got diagnosed in April. 
And so it really just threw a wrench into everything. Um, he and his fiance were just really struggling with this. But he started going through the treatments, and the prognosis was looking pretty good. That everybody was optimistic. And he gets this call out of the blue, uh, midsummer, right before his treatments were done. And it was a, uh, an old friend from college that he hadn't talked to in, in almost 10 years. But the guy called him. He'd seen the, the Facebook updates and things like that, and he'd been praying for Adam. And he called, and he just said, hey, Adam, I, I don't know if you remember me. Oh, yeah, he remembered him. And he said, I don't know if you remember me, but I've been, I've been following your story on Facebook. I've been praying for you. And I was praying the other day, and I really believe God wanted me to give you a message. God wants me to tell you that when your treatments are over, you're going to be healed. You're going to be all set, and you're going to get married, and you're going to go on with your life, and everything's going to be great. Um, because there was the potential where they might have taken care of most of it, but the lymph nodes were a question, and they might have had to go in and do surgery and take care of that stuff. So, so Adam, I mean, I've never had cancer, but I, I, people close to me have, and, and you talk to different people who have walked that road, and you're looking for any, anything to cling to for hope, right? You're looking for optimism. You're looking for some sign that everything's going to be okay. And so Adam just owned this message. He was excited, like, hey, this guy called me out of the blue. It's such a God thing. He, 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 God told him to tell me that it's going to be okay after treatment. So we went on, and he got his treatments done, and he got tested again, and the cancer was still there. And it was on his lymph nodes, and they wanted to go in and do surgery and remove that. And he went that path. Now, the end of the story is great. They had the surgery. They got everything removed, did a little bit more treatment, and Adam was cleared of cancer, which was awesome. But he called this guy back, and he said, dude, you called me in July and told me that the treatment was it. That was it. And you didn't just say it to encourage me. You didn't just say it to be nice. You said God told you to call me and tell me that. And he just wanted to let him know that that really messed with him. That screwed up his head a little bit. That hurt him. And so even as we dive into this, even as I want us to explore this, even as I explored in my own life, I want to make sure that we at least start with those training wheels because if we come with the wrong motives, if we come with the lack of understanding, if we come and anything is clouding that, we can hurt people and we can screw things up real bad. And if you read through Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, when people speak for God, when they're not really speaking for God, when people act on God's behalf and they're not really acting on God's behalf, God takes that very, very seriously. And so that's where this Holy Spirit thing comes in, and it's a difficult balance because everything is available to us, and there, there are some promises made that, you know, things like if you believe, everything is available to you. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. All these promises about what's available to us if we believe and trust in the power of this Holy Spirit, but at the same time, we have to be very sure that it's truly God speaking and truly God working and truly God pushing us forward. Because if we speak on his behalf, if we act on his behalf, if we take things further than he wants us to take them, then there are some ramifications. So we got to start with the training wheels. But in addition to that, I want us to put our Holy Spirit training wheels on, but we need to be ready to shed them at a moment's notice. All right, Th this is... This is Forrest Gump with the leg braces on, and, and Jenny says, run, and he takes off, and those things start falling apart, and boom, the story is off, right? We, I want us to be ready. As you're talking to God about this Holy Spirit thing, and that's what you're going to do because you need to go home and explore this a little bit. It's not just Justin talking about it. So in the long-term process of talking to God about this Holy Spirit thing, as you feel led to pray, 
as it seems right to pursue something, if you find yourself in a situation where it feels like a a genuine miracle is required, if you're feeling attacked, if you feel like God needs to move in a way that goes beyond human understanding, don't be afraid to get after it. Don't be afraid to ask him for it. Don't be afraid to pursue that. Now, if you're like me, should have silenced my phone. Uh, If you're like me, you're inexperienced in this. That might hold you back. The tradition you grew up in might hold you back. Uh, Embarrassment might hold you back. Fear that something might not happen is going to hold you back. All those things are there, and I'm there too. But here's the thing. In a couple years, I'm going to take my kids out into the woods, and I'm going to teach them how to hunt. All right? And we're going to start small. They're going to have the right, the right tools at their disposal for the age that they're at. I'm going to put them in a spot with easy opportunities, easy shots, nothing too crazy going on, everything very predictable. But if in those moments where I'm keeping it as simple as I can, as easy as I can, if a giant buck walks out, I'm going to tell him to pull the trigger. We're going to start easy. We're going to start small. We're going to practice But if God shows up, I want us to shed those training wheels and let him move. We want to expect that, and we want to be ready when it happens. And then finally, what I want you to do is this. When God moves, I want you to tell the story. Because it's in the sharing of those stories that people are inspired to bigger and better things. Nothing inspires people like a great story. And those God stories are the best stories. And and when he moves, when he provides, when he heals, when he saves, when he transforms a family tree, I want us to tell those stories, all right? I want you to tell your wife, I want you to tell your husband what God has been doing in your life. What? It's amazing how sometimes that's the hardest conversation, right? I want you to share with them what God is doing. I want you to tell your kids about that time God showed up. I want you to tell them how God gave you the right job at the right time. I want you to tell them how he brought you and dad together. I want you to tell them how they were born and how they were brought into your family. Some of you guys have kids, and the fact that they're in your family is a miracle. I want you to tell them that story. And as they get older, I want you to tell them how God cleaned out your heart. When they're ready to hear it, I want you to tell them how God stepped into your life, into your mess, into your darkness, into your filth, and transformed you from the inside out, and how that is transforming your family tree from the inside out. Tell the stories. See, we have a power available to us that no one else in the world outside of a relationship with Christ has available to them. And if we cling to that, if we will live that truth, then your life and this church can experience what the church experienced way back in Acts chapter 2, which was before humans got to screw it up. Okay, because the the disciples came bursting out of that room in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching and teaching and healing and doing miracles and doing all the things that Jesus did, and people's lives were changed. And the church got started. And this this was before people figured out that they could make some money off of it. This was before people realized that they could be cool because of it. This is before people realized that there was something crazy that they could take advantage of. And what you see in Acts chapter 2, and this is your homework for this week because you read Matthew 5 through 7 last week, right? Thank you. Uh, So in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, it's five verses, okay? Go home and read it because this, this shows us what happens in the church when the Holy Spirit shows up. What you're going to see is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, people can't get enough of what God and his word have to offer. 
When the Holy Spirit shows up, people love people. And people love being around people. When the Holy Spirit shows up, God does things that will blow your mind and inspire your soul. When the Holy Spirit shows up, people start making decisions based purely on what's best for others, even if it means significant personal sacrifice. When the Holy Spirit shows up, even those who don't believe, even those who don't get it, will see something good, will see something different. When the Holy Spirit shows up, people's lives change, and families change, and family trees change. We could see that here. You could see that in your life and in your family, and that's what I'm praying for. Let's pray. God, as we hear all this, as, as I continue to process it in my own life, God, I just pray that you would do something special here. God, make, make this a church where people walk in and say, man, their music isn't good enough for this to happen. Their teaching isn't good enough for this to happen. The, the building isn't good enough for this to happen. God, I want people to look in here and see that there's something unexplainable happening. And God, may it be because your Holy Spirit is doing special things here. And God, not just here in this building, but in the lives of the people who go out from here, taking that power with them. And God, we acknowledge, we, I'm unclear, we're unclear about what all this could mean. God, we want to be diligent in, in, in our training wheels, knowing that we want to protect you and protect your honor and protect what you want to do. But God, at the same time, give us the courage to move and jump on board when we see you producing a wave. And may it be special. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.